Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. Also, we have a Patreon page if you want to support us as we continue telling these important stories. You can find that at patreon.com and search adoption colon the making of me. Again, that's patreon.com search adoption colon the making of me. And please remember to subscribe, share and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Louise and I talked about it for months and we were intimidated until we heard about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Podcasting isn't hard. Believe me, if Louise and I could figure it out, anyone can. We got a mic, some headphones, parked ourselves in our closets, and that was it. Buzzsprout did the rest. You get a great looking podcast website and you can track all of your analytics to see how your podcast is doing. So if you follow the link in our show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And bonus, you help support our show. Okay, we are super excited about today's guests. I say that with a plural. Little backstory: we have a faithful friend on who's also adopted, and he recommended he spoke of her, and we friended her, and she started listening to our podcast, and then we found out she was doing a documentary about none other than the primal wound. So everyone who listens to our podcast knows we have manifested this day. So I'm really excited to introduce Rebecca Autumn Sansom and Nancy Verrier. Woo-hoo. Here we are, <laughs> finally. Yes. It's so special to be part of a manifestation. <laughs> it's amazing when you can actually like see a manifestation happen, you know. Like actually, wow, that came to fruition. Yeah, we, so it, it was our friend Eric David, and he's like, "You have to know about Rebecca and this documentary she's making about Nancy." And we're like, "This is crazy! This is what we've been wanting." So we're just thrilled to have you. And both Eric and I like went to the same college. Oh, and had the same journalism professor, Doctor C. <laughs> uh, and that different is years, crazy. but isn't that crazy? So I don't yeah. know. How y'all know him? Because I don't actually know him. I just we we know him through an elementary school. Our kids were all in elementary school together. And Although we don't his know, was a lot younger than his ours. was a lot yeah. younger. We don't know him well, but it's through the Facebook group in our community. And then he loved our podcast right at the beginning. So the primal wound changed his life. He's actually meeting his birth mother this we week. We did yesterday. We met her, right? Yes. So. Wow. I think I commented on that because okay. uh, wow. So this is all kind of just because me anyway. It's, yeah, yeah. It's serendipitous the timing with all of these connections that are happening now for me in the movie and everything is so serendipitous. It's like we're in the flow of something bigger. Yes. Yes. We, we wanted to ask you about the movie. So how did you and Nancy connect and get together for this documentary? And tell us a little bit about the documentary. Well, <laughs> I feel like I've had like I had a filmmaker friend say I should document my adoption story forever. And I never wanted to. 
And then um, in my 20s, I think three different adoptees around the world, like I would be in different places, I think England, you know, would ask me if I'd read The Primal Wound. And I was like, I don't know. No. (laughs) And then finally, the third random one, the same year, somebody asks you, have you read The Primal Wound? And then I'm like, okay, I will read this book. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, like, I think everybody like y'all, it changed my life. And (laughs) that was before I met Jill. But I always had this in my head that I should do a documentary about my story. And then when I was pregnant with Frankie Joe, it just, and in Northern California, the thought would not go away. And I'd been in reunion with Jill and it turned out that she was going to come to the birth. And I was like Googling if anyone had made a documentary about the primal wound and realized no one had and felt led to keep investigating, realized that Nancy lived 45 minutes away from me in the Bay Area. Wow. And decided to reach out. But <laughs> Evidently, you're um, very accessible, Nancy, because I heard this from another guy. <laughs> he, he met you when he was in Northern California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I've had That's several funny people come to, come to my house and it's been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because now people are like, how do you know Nancy? And I'm like, she's not that hard. I'm trying to remember who, who gave me a knitted potholder because I really want another one of those and I can't remember who gave it to me. <laughs> Shout out to any listener right gave a potholder. Yes. <laughs> what does so, it look like? What is this potholder? <laughs> so you reached out and you said you said I'm gonna do this documentary and you were just open to it, Nancy? You know, because you you don't do interviews so <laughs> it was a little people coming to my house. I don't know for how long and for what reasons, really. I mean, a lot of but people you weren't doing here. press at the time. So you were like, you had to get to know me. It took like six months of us getting to know each other. And then yeah, I yeah. think we built up a rapport that was trustworthy, you know? Yeah. The things that I don't trust are, are newspapers because they pick and choose what they put in there and the context in which they put it. And it's not always very, uh, accurate. I never believe much and of what I've been misquoted. Yeah. Well, you know, they just, they just mix um, everything up so that it doesn't flow the way you said it in the first place. But anyway, we were yes. thinking, we were thinking this when we've done the chapter reviews of the primal wound that you probably touched on a lot of chords with a lot of people that maybe struck. I mean, I, I'm a little bit like Rebecca, Sarah told me we need to read the primal wound and I have heard about it. I owned it at one time and I never wanted to read it. I didn't want to yeah. know, you know, I didn't want to yeah. go no, down I that road. That. I understand yeah. That. And once you start reading it, it's like, wow. <laughs> I wish I had read it years ago. I think it would have, it would have changed my interactions with my birth mother. I've talked about this in my own journey and in, in, in our podcast is right. I was so defensive that yes. and would not let her in. And and then she died before I even really had the opportunity. Like I stayed in her life and stayed in reunion with her, but I always had a wall up. And now knowing what I know from the primal wound, you know, I wish I'd found it 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and for our adopted parents too. I mean, my, both my parents have passed recently. We're actually having their burial coming up and I'm, I'm floored that like, I wish I had had so much more of this information to talk to my mom about Mm. 
and my biological mother has passed away long ago, but I know my biological family and I would have been more open. I was like, Sarah, I'm very like, nope, no, you know, now I'm like, wow, all these things, ding, 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 ding are going off. And, and I'm really glad we picked it up. And it's really kind of been a rebirth with a lot of people are like, have read it and are reading it again or writing to us. We get emails and texts about, I mean, our conversations that we have just between Sarah and I are conversations some adoptees have never had with anybody. And now they're, mm-hmm. we're getting mail and notes from all over the world. People saying, this is so huge for us, for me to hear this. Mm-hmm. And it's good to know. Yeah, that's good to know. It really you know, is. It's evergreen. <laughs> it's like so timely. It, it's, it, yeah. It's still timeless. Yeah, it is. It is. It does seem to be that there is something going on out there now in the universe with adoption because there's so many books that are coming out. There's also like Steve Inskeep from NPR had a book coming out about his own adoption. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of I mean, maybe it's always timely, but people are definitely, I think, being more open about it and trying to change the narrative. And I started this in 2017. And that's when I think a lot started, too. I don't know exactly when y'all started this, but I feel like or the idea. But I wonder if it's a lot I of us grew up. building like cumulatively. Yeah. All of that energy and the era of reckonings, mm-hmm. not just with adoption, but it's just interesting. Timing. Yes. Kind of and I'm, age of Aquarius. Type I of. feel like something I, could happen. I wrote that first book because I'd given a talk. I think it was AAC. American mm-hmm. Adoption Congress. And I, I titled it The Primal Wound, The Legacy of the Adopted Child, I think is what I titled it. And they were so interested in that because nobody had ever really said things like that, you know. And so then that's when they said to me after after I gave my talk, you know, you really need to write a book because we need we need to highlight what you're saying and and get people to understand more about what this whole thing is is like for all parts of the of the triad. So anyway, that's that's what's that was in 1991, I think, mm-hmm. and so the book came out in '93, and I self-published because I didn't want any editors to change what I was. Yes, saying. Mm-hmm. and so. then to like bring it into a movie format, I wanted to do that just so it would get to more people. And then, mm-hmm. of course, we couldn't put everything in the movie, but I hope people buy the book and read it after I- seeing the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and it's not a movie the- version of the book, obviously, but it's right. like. Yeah, That's so I want to be clear about that people, too. Some people would rather watch a movie than read a book. Exactly. Know? Yeah. You know. That's yeah. my medium. I love documentaries. So I love putting academic journals and things that a lot of people wouldn't read into movie form. Yeah. And that's good so, because then they get the information. And, and also, fun. I thought you needed a tribute, Nancy. Yes. <laughs> for doing all the work you've done. Yes. For adoptees. Like, Nancy's really dedicated a lot of her life to this cause. And I personally, Nancy, you already know this, but like a lot of adoptees have a problem with the fact that you're not an adoptee (laughs) and want to, I'm sorry, you know, (laughs) adoptees have a problem with that. I I am like, oh yeah. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. I didn't know there there was scandals around the book. (laughs) Oh, oh yes. I knew there was scandal around the book that people didn't want to know about. Right. That's what I just want to, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. They don't think. They don't want to think that anybody but another adoptee can understand it. That's what. Yeah. But, uh, but so, I've had so many adoptees tell me the opposite, you know, that they're so glad that. And that's. I could put I, into words yeah. what they didn't have words for. Exactly. Yes. So I'm out here like 
I'm your publicist, Nancy. <laughs> As are we. I'm trying like... to drag you. I'm like, no, he's done way more good. It doesn't matter. Like, I get what you're saying. And yes, we need to read adoptee authored books about yeah. this. But what Nancy did is important, powerful. She was the catalyst. She oh, was able sure. to put into words that I don't know if an adoptee could have written the primal wound. Would we I, have ever I, been able to? I, I don't think so. I mean, Betty yeah. Jean Lifton. I don't yes. think so. And like, that's why the movie is dedicated to Betty Jean Lifton. And Nancy knew her. Give our listeners some background because right now we're just kind of talking amongst ourselves about some listeners would love to know what, what you're referring to. Yeah, BJ Lifton was, gosh, I've known her for a very long time. And of course, her book was one of the ones that inspired me to write because her book was the first one I read, I think, about adoption. And then I met her and... and you know, and we always had such a good time together. I mean, we laughed so much. I told you we were with. Um, Was it Kirshner? We were having dinner. Yeah, we were okay. having dinner in New York, and and BJ and I were laughing and laughing and laughing. And they would say, "What? You guys are just crazy when you're together." You know, <laughs> that's true. We were. Uh, but anyway, that and I, I didn't know that that was going to be the last time I'd seen her. She just she didn't seem sick at all to me. But it wasn't very long after that that she passed away. And I was so glad to have had that last time with her because she and I always liked to get together. But, you know, she lived on one side of this country and I lived on the other side. So we didn't always, it wasn't always easy to get together. For our listener who doesn't know, who 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 is she? Who was she? Yeah, was an adoptee, an author, an activist. Um, yeah. She wrote Journey of the Adopted Self, mm. Twice right. Born, Lost and Found, The Adoption Experience. Yeah. So. Yeah, she, it was Journey of the Adopted Self that really inspired me, too, because uh, I thought that was a very, very good book and could make people understand more about what that was, what adoption was all about. Yeah, so, so we, we saw each other at these AAC conferences and things like that and, and just always had a good time when we were together. So I was and so the documentary is, is dedicated to her as well? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. It, when you were writing The Primal Wound, how old was your daughter at the time, your adopted daughter? Let's see. I, when I wrote it, well, let's see. She was born in 1969. So what would that make her? Like 32, 33? Yeah, she was in her 30s. Yeah, she was in her 30s. Because yeah. yeah. it's been big for Sarah and I to read, you know, your feelings as a mother when you're tackling all of this too. And how did she feel? Like how I always wondered about that. Like, how did she feel about the primal wound? <laughs> well, I think both my daughters probably <laughs> rather not have, have so much written about, about the whole thing, you know, the whole, or about themselves, I guess. So, but I think that it does help other people a lot to find out, what one person's experience is and what every, you know, yeah. other people's experiences are. And of course my daughter's one is adopted, one is not. So right. I have both those experiences and it's interesting to me. One of the things that, that I notice is having to do with, with DNA and all of that kind of thing and how, you know, we didn't know much about that mm-hmm. until what the end of the nineties or something. I mean, yeah, it really, really it hasn't been very long at all but it's very interesting because i think that i think that one of the ways that we know each other is through seeing ourselves reflected in our children and our parents and in our families 
And it's interesting to have someone that isn't reflecting that same kind of energy or or anything. And it's it's I don't know. To me, it was refreshing to have a child who was was very different, you know, in in the energy and so forth. And it really inspired me more because it made me grow. Not just having someone reflecting me, but you know, I just I just think it's it's a good thing. Yeah, so, I have the, uh, Sarah and I both have that. I have, my brother is not adopted and I am adopted and she has mm-hmm. two siblings who are not adopted and she and her other brother are both adopted. So it's, we've been getting into that whole, how is it for the the whole family situation? You know, right. the, the siblings, we're going to have a guest on who is a sibling and all the different right. perspectives because it's not just, it's not even really just a triad, is it? I mean, it's really a mm-hmm. bigger yeah. constellation. I like that word. <laughs> a constellation. Yeah that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it does affect everybody. You know, it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's good to, it's good to uh, hear from. I'm, I'll be glad to hear from some of these other people that are going to be on, too. You know, I can't believe I only just found the book, but I know because we just didn't really talk much about it except that you were adopted and we wanted you. But the statistic about the juvenile halls, rehabs and all that, that, you know, how I forgot exactly what the statistic was that 30 to 40% of the people in those are adopted people, or I don't even know if you remember this piece of it, but Mm -hmm. that, that just really struck out with me because all the bad things that, that traumatic, things that an adopted could have done, I did. I was in juvenile hall. I did run away, you know, all sorts of things. So it really, I always just thought I'm a freak. I'm the bad kid. And, you yes. know, now I know, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm in my fifties and just read that it just was mind boggling to me. Well, yeah, because if you have the same kind of DNA, then you notice things about, you know, you know, things about people just because that's part of you. And yes. and when you when you don't, it's like you have to figure it all out all the time. And I keep thinking about that, you know, when my daughter was a little girl, I'm thinking that I mean, she's. I mean, I didn't know. I I didn't think about this then, no. but I started thinking about it later. I mean, she had to she had to learn everything from scratch. You know, I mean, she had to figure out the family and everything because it wasn't something that she could see in herself that was like the rest of the family. We got into a lot of that about the adaptability, like Sarah and I are big adapters. I'm sure Rebecca was the same. You can learn a situation and be in it, even though you're not part of it inside quickly, Mm -hmm. which can cause problems to you. As Sarah said in our last episode, she could be a chameleon, go from group to group. And I was trying to glam on, where do I fit? And, you know, you just want, you don't want to disrupt anything at home with the family and say anything because then people kind of go, well, we want you, you're adopted. And then you're like, okay. So you're just quiet about it, mm. you know? And I remember when I talked to my daughter's birth mom for the first time and we we're talking on the telephone and I said, well, I, I feel as if I really know you because I've been living with your daughter for 25 years. Oh, <laughs> that's a nice thing to say. That's yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Nancy, you should talk about how you decided to make that a priority and find her. Yeah, we don't well, know anything I, about I, that. I did want her, my do- I wanted my daughter to find her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I know that adoptees sometimes say, Well, I'm not gonna find her. She gave me away or whatever, you know. I know so many birth mothers, and it's not like they really wanted to give their kids away or anything like that most of the time. Anyway, so I was all for them meeting each other. And you know, when she came back from meeting her. She said, you know, mom, 25 years is a long time to be without your mom. 
And mm-hmm. I thought that, yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that they at least got together then. And so they've been together for over 25 years since then. So. Oh, they're still in reunion. Oh, yeah. I don't see her as much as I used to. She lives in another state, so it's not like we are next door or something. But I really respect her a great deal. And, and you know, she she wrote me in a very nice letter saying that she really appreciated how I was a mother to her daughter. Oh, and yeah. I said, well, you know, part of that has to do with the DNA, and I'm really happy that you were her mother, too. <laughs> so we, we, we kind of bonded on that, I think. So anyway. I mean, that's huge. We, I got married a few years ago, and my biological, some of my biological family came to my wedding and met my mom right before she passed away. Uh-huh. And so it wasn't my biological mom because has already passed away. And it was a really interesting thing. I'm, I'm in a wedding and you're getting married and you're distracted and with your friends, but I'm watching <laughs> across the thing as they're talking, thinking, I can't believe they're talking. Like they're all, and I'd watch my brother cause he's looking at my cousins like, wow, they kind of do look like my sister, you know, this whole <laughs> bizarre situation. And I remember that they had a conversation where my biological aunt said, you know, we're just so grateful you're her mother. And then my mom had the, well, thank, you know, I'm, it's, it must have been crazy for my mom to meet them and just see who I was for her. She said it was a really deep moment for her. And we didn't get to talk that much about it. But she, she had some illness after and died. But oh, but I, I was so glad that happened. Just mm-hmm. yes. wow. a little yes. bit. Yeah. It no was kidding. small, but it was big, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So healing, too. It is healing. Yeah, I and, think so, too. And Sarah got to meet her biological mom before she passed away. And it's like... Oh, I had sisters. years, I think, yeah. with them. I'm I'm still in touch with my sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you get together, um, Rebecca. I'm going back to like the origins of the documentary because you miraculously film it, and then what's the next step? Like what? I know it just kept like happening. So I I was in my third trimester, and then Jill came to the birth, and we had this compelling setting because I was induced, so we were in the you know, labor and delivery room. And I was just not doing much for 10 hours, and, but I brought the camera. So <laughs> that whole three weeks, and she was there for three weeks. So we had a lot of downtime and we just started filming and she was so generous with like telling the story, even though it's really raw and, yeah, you know, hard. It was a lot of hard work for, I think, both of us emotionally after Nancy said yes. And that interview happened it was like okay this is a thing you know it's happening my boss at the time was telling me about her childhood friend that was documenting on facebook her reunion story with her birth mother and it was harrowing and dramatic and i was like where did she live and of course nearby she was oh. like willing to come she's like i'll be there tomorrow you know and really um, doris yeah who oh, yeah. is in the film we filmed for like 4 days at the same time, the same span oh, really? of, like, yes, then David Brzezinski, I like Googled that and he's nearby. And, and then another friend was just like, I'm in Nico Opera's like class at Stanford and introduced me to them. Then we did that conversation with Nancy and that was really intriguing. And it was like, okay, this is plenty of content <laughs> that we oh. got in a tiny span of time. We've gotten the ability to look at it. So we're like, oh, I can't wait till everybody gets to see it because it's beautifully done. I mean, <laughs> thanks. And really, then, yeah, I didn't touch the footage for like a year and a half because I couldn't. Yeah. yeah. 
just like, I don't know what to do with this. And just like stare at all of it. This is so much. And be like, how is this going to turn into a timeline that makes any oh, sense? Because yeah. there's so much. And there's still so much that I could put on a YouTube channel and should. Yeah, put it in a different way. Yeah. And then I did the Mother's Day screening because I, and I know I'm frustrating everybody because everybody wants to know where they can see it. And I'm like, I don't know yet (laughs) because I wanted it to be our film. Like I knew I wanted adoptees to see it and then have a chance to be in it or at least be in the credits. That's the adoptee army. And so I had to release it like privately to adoptees before I knew the distribution plan, which now people are just going to have to bear with me. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm yeah, working on it. That was (laughs) our next question. Like, how do, when does everybody get to see this? (laughs) I know. So (laughs) luckily, because I got an executive producer through this, like letting it get out there more. An adoptee was like, you got to talk to my friend, Jenna Vasquez who is in the film world, maybe she can help. And we talked and she was into the primal wound because her friend, the adoptee, it was such a big part of her life. So she champions the cause, even though she's not an adoptee. And she's now the executive producer, which is amazing because she knows that world and how to sell a movie. So that's why I have hope that it can get a wider audience. I always wanted it to get to the general population. I think it should. I think it will be a huge conversation for so many people that have adopted friends, adopted siblings, their cousins adopted. I mean, I think it's, it should get to the general population. I hope so. And it's really, I mean, Nancy's book and Nancy's message and your documentary, it should all get out there. No, But literally the point being, I don't want it to be about me at all. I think Nancy and the book need more recognition and if my story well, and whatever my destiny I think of that's putting both. it together here's, is. Here's a great thing like, <laughs> that, that happened, Nancy, because we discussed your book on the podcast. We got an email the other day yeah. from a woman in South Africa yeah. who works with pregnant women who, you know, who are not really ready to be moms. And they help them go through the whole process of helping them get their babies adopted. And... She has she runs a home for those babies while they're in transition. They're anywhere from six months old to a year and a half or whatever. So she was Googling things about how to help with adopted with these babies and blah, 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 and came across our podcast and your book. And so from there, and then she immediately ordered the book listen to all of our podcasts and then I think she ordered the book for everybody who works there too. And for all and and then turned all the social workers in her. Yeah, so people still don't know about it. Yes, (laughs) people don't know. I didn't know about it till you know six months ago or something. Crazy, exactly. So that's kind of the point of the film, really, (laughs) to get the primal wound out there more. Also, have it. I just love that it's our film, and there's so many adoptees connected to the production. Yes, and 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 you should be highlighted because you've done a beautiful job. I mean, we've seen we've seen it, and it's. I mean, I'm crying through the whole thing, like how you mixed in, you know, the music and the people. I mean, it's really, it's really well done and and tastefully done too. So it's not, I feel like anybody on any side of it will get something out of it and not be like anti, you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, I hope, you know, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I had a, yeah, award-winning investigative journalist, Demetria Caldimos helped me a lot with the storyline. And then Jill has a PhD in rhetoric and helped with the narrative too, like immensely. 
which is also something that people don't seem to realize sometimes is that when I say it's adoptee and birth mother produced, I mean, my birth mother. Right. <laughs> I just realized that some people think it's just like a random birth mother and me, oh. but it's, <laughs> right. it's actually me and Jill, who is my birth mother. So I want to make that more clear. Oh yeah. And she's so raw in it and brave. And it's just, I think it's going to touch so many people. It's just the whole, what is that word, Sarah? Kismet of it coming Kismet, together. I love that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I borrowed that from Sarah. That's Sarah's. <laughs> oh, but what I was going to say is that today, Intercountry Adoptee Voices announced eight screenings, private oh. and limited, because Jenna, that's what I was going to say, did give me the green light to do private, like limited screenings. So those are going to start rolling out. And there's, those are global. So there's like one in Australia, two in the U.S., Canada, Germany, the Netherlands. I think that's wow. it. Wow. I'd and love then, to see it on like Netflix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is what we're working on. I know, right? Like, you can just see the show poster on Netflix. And then Adoption Mosaic is doing a screening in person in Portland, if anyone's there. And then the Cub Retreat, which Nancy, I think you've spoken at the Concerned United Birth Parents conference multiple times, right? Yes. They usually invite me to speak at their conferences. Yeah. They want and, you to this year. Do they? Yeah. But if I can talk my but kids in the I know. It's such a weird airplane. <laughs> I know. But that's in LA in October. Yeah. October 22nd. 22nd. Okay. I'll put that on my calendar and see what I can do. <laughs> and those are all the screenings <laughs> that are coming up, but hopefully there will be more. I can't believe there's this whole adopted universe out there that I didn't know a thing about. And I don't know what, why that is. Like, I just like, had my head in the sand or something. I don't, I really. No, I wasn't know. in it either. I'm new to the community. Yeah. No, we're both new. I think, I think how we were raised, Sarah and I, you were just go along with your life and you have these things, you don't really deal with them. And your I had a lot of other chaos going on. Yes. It was a direct result of being adopted. And then anyway, other stuff. Because. The Primal Wound has sold thousands of copies. And so people do know about it. They do know about adoption. And, but there's so many people that out there that have something to do with adoption. And a lot of people just haven't looked into it, I think. You know? I think that's yes. basically what it is. Like I, I had a lot of friends. I have a handful of really good friends yeah. and that I actually connect more to probably than not always, but a very, you know, we have that unspoken commonality but I just didn't and I would pay lips a lot of lip service I went to therapy at 20 and yes I was adopted and I I didn't connect it emotionally to my intellect and Mm -hmm. until you know then my son was born and finding my birth family and all that stuff but but still it just feels like it's still a lot of layers and I still it's still very, very hard for me to put my walls down. And, you know, it's, it's like a lifetime of work. It's a lifetime of work. Yeah. We had, I knew about it because I had a a marriage counselor who told me to get the book and I was, I didn't, I think I had an aversion to it because I didn't like that. She wanted to deal with my marital problems because of my adoption. So I was like, huh, whatever. I'm not going to read that book. She's not adopted. What does she know? It's not, this is all his problems, right? But, you know, honestly, 
the, yeah. the benefits I would have had in my life had I read this earlier are, are tremendous. And even when Sarah brought it up, I remember thinking, oh, gosh, I, that book, I don't want to get in. I don't want to know because I know I have stuff. That's what it is. It's like we know. But boy, this whole time it was all connected. Had I known that, what the growth I could have had. That's why I hope young people find it early and, yes. and adopted well, and mothers have, find it early. The thing you have to realize is that it doesn't have anything to do with who you are. No. It has to do with what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the primal wound's all about coping mechanisms. Yeah. You know, and the way people cope with losing their first mother and then becoming a member of people they're never they're not related to. I mean, that's 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 not something that people really think about very much. There was a line in it where you said the, they're the only victims. Sarah and I really focused on that. The only victims that are supposed to be grateful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yes. That was a big line mm-hmm. for me when I read that. It was very powerful. It. Um, I cried. I read it thinking, wow, I've never looked at it like that. See, I think people don't realize either how, what a, what a trauma it is for a little baby to be separated from its mother. Yeah. In the first place. All you have to do is watch Animal Planet. Right. See all Nancy, those when you talk and, about this, yes. All those mommies and babies. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was just watching something on TV the other night. I don't know. It was an advertisement for, oh, yeah, don't kill all the elephants. And it showed this elephant with this uh-huh. baby and putting its trunk underneath the baby. And, you know, I mean, it just all mammals need to be with their mommies, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, my father-in-law was just telling a story, sorry, like a week ago because it was his birthday and he's from Texas and did ag growing up. And he was talking about this, um, one of his jobs with his uncle was separating the mothers and the calves. And it was so sad and the cows would just moo and they would cry. And he was talking about how sad it was. He was almost tearing up. I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, (laughs) it's sad. Is it sad to take baby animals away from their mother? And then Absolutely. same with like puppies and kittens. It's illegal yeah. <laughs> to separate them. It's a, it's, tra- it's a trauma. It's and a but trauma yet it doesn't connect with human beings. Right. Absolutely. It is a trauma. And, and so every one of you who were separated from your first moms suffered that trauma. Yeah. And that's, it's like proven with animals. Yes. Like, no one's going to do scientific studies with humans, but... And you notice, you know, I mean, I, I grew up on a sheep ranch, too. And uh, all those baby lambs know exactly who their mothers are, even though they're all running around the field all the time. When it's time to eat, they know where to go. You know, It's like they know who those mothers are and they don't I, make a mistake. I think about this because I moved up to an area with a lot of deer. And right now I, I filmed them for Sarah the other day. There's all these little baby fawns. Oh, yeah. And all the deer look, you know, alike to us. So... Except that one will have a weird thing or something, but all the babies, you know, they're all together. They're all eating. They're all doing something. They all know exactly if their mom moves, they move. The other moms could all move. If something startles, like three of the moms and the babies move, the one baby will wait to see what his mom does or her mom. That's and right. it's, I, I, because we're going through this, Sarah and I, everything's more emotional to me right now, of course. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow, just watching. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like my eyes have been opened in my fifties. And I want to thank you for that because, you know, it's almost emotional seeing you in person because it's been a journey. Like 
Sarah and I didn't know what journey we were getting into when we did this. We knew we were doing something special. We had a business before. We knew this was a great thing to do together. But just today, we talked to each other. We're like, I love we're doing it. Like, it's changing us, our lives. And it's just really- A lot of other people's lives. A lot of other people's lives, too. Just these conversations. Just the fact that our listeners, 2,000 plus of them that we know about, are going to get on and get to see you and Rebecca and know that this documentary is coming out and hear your voice. It's it's a big thing. It's mm-hmm. huge. Yes. Yeah, it's really been... We interviewed a guy who also has a podcast, and he's he's an adoptee and an adoptive parent. So we got into this kind of conversation, the three of us, and talking. You know, his his whole point is, you know, you could take his him, you know, as an adopt born from a person, and put him in one family, or put him in another family, and how different those experiences would have been. But what's so interesting about talking to so many adoptees is, like, like Louise and I, somehow we ended up. To get, you know, in the same running a business together in, a, in the exact same place, yet our adoption stories were so different. Mine was totally yeah. traumatic, you know, pretty traumatic. Like, yeah, my adoptive parents got divorced and, and it was my mom who left when I was seven and I had three younger brothers. And it was, it was a very difficult journey from that point on. And Louise was into this very stable adopted family. Um, And yet somehow, you know, all these years later, we end up together and starting a business and now doing this podcast about adoption. It is. And we'd sit in our business together and talk about these things where we're connected. That wouldn't, that I don't, if Sarah and I are connected in that way, more than other friends I have or other friends she has that aren't adopted, like she said, it's like that instantly we're like, oh, I get it. Or, and you're kind of kinder to each other. Like I'm kinder to people now. I think what are their deeper things that they've been, it's interesting to learn all of this. Yeah. What are their stories? What are mm-hmm. like, like? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not, and it's not there. I wanted to out something in your documentary, but I'm not going to because it's in the documentary, but <laughs> there was a guy in there who talked about searching and that all adopted kids search, even if you don't search. Mm-hmm. Oh, David presents. Yeah. And yep. I didn't want to out that because it's, but it really struck me. I was like, that is because, you know, people, mm-hmm. because I didn't search my, my biological family found me, but you do search I, my whole life. I look at the park and you scan and you, the ruminating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love, I love that part. Yeah. I think there's a, I put, I think a, a lot in that. I was like, well, people need to hear that. <laughs> That's Those are the gems that I, with all this footage, it was like, there were a lot of gems that you don't hear enough Yeah, that I hope people listen to. Because okay. it's like another thing that came to me recently, just being on the Instagram algorithm, you know, uh, adoption algorithm, which I'm new to also. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, we're the only group of people, marginalized people, that the government has condoned gaslighting is okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, we know? got it. We, we don't even get about to that. See, yeah, no, not even have, don't even get to see our own birth certificates yeah, and just lying uh, and secrets and yeah, it doesn't matter. Is <laughs> that's right? Well, there, there was a great documentary about this called Three Identical Strangers." Not oh, I love oh, it. That was great. <sighs> wow. Yeah. That blew my mind. I need to watch it. Yeah. We, our last guest, Mick, actually, that's how we found him was on comments where he had written that he couldn't find, get his birth certificate. You know, he's an older man. Just wrong. Everybody needs to know who they're related to. 
Yes. Because you may have a very nice family, but maybe you're not related to any of them. Like, how is this a thing? Like, non-negotiable. Well, I think it should be non-negotiable. I think it should be that everyone has a right to know their ancestry. Yeah. And your ancestry isn't, you know, something that's written on a piece of paper. Right. It's within you. It's your DNA. It's all of that. And maybe now that people are more aware of DNA and everybody's looking up their genetic this and that, maybe, maybe it'll be easier. I mean, I, I can't even believe the number of states where you can't get your original birth certificate. I know. I mean, I, I think that's just yeah. terrible. I'm in one of those states. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I do have, I have a friend who, I have several friends, but one friend in particular who has two adopted children from different situations. And she's does not want to be on our podcast, but she's very open with her kids about uh-huh. their backgrounds and if they want to know anything. And she knew um, one of the mothers that had to help her through her pregnancy and different things. And is very, and her kids are very well adjusted for it. And it's, it's a nice conversation because they, they have no mistake. Her, she's their mom, right? She's not in, she's not threatened by um, these other people in their lives. She's happy if they want to get to know them, it's up to them, yeah. but it's kind of nice that it's turning that way, you know, that it's, oh, and it I wasn't our, and it wasn't our mom's, it's not their doing. That's how it was rigged, right? The game was rigged like that. That's right. The only so. way I, I found out my daughter's birth mother's name by going down to the county courthouse because she came to California to have the baby and in the that county. And that's how I found out her name. Yeah. And that's how I could trace her at some point, you know. And um, but otherwise they don't they don't put that on the birth certificate no. or anything, you know, and they, they keep it, you know, everybody wants to keep secrets. I don't know yep. why. I don't know why secrets are, if it has to be a secret, I don't, I mean, there's no reason for things like that to be secret, but secrets are never good. I mean, <laughs> it's, um, the, we, we are, our, our other guest who has his podcast, um, we he we talked about you know adoption is going to stay there is no it's not leaving it's it's no. going this is always going to be so now we just have to figure out that you know getting these voices out there and and so that people can understand the the damage and to maybe start another cycle of you know different generation conversation of, yeah yeah because we all know adoptees who are part of that forty percent. Uh, <laughs> like in rehab and that was oh, well, I was in rehab but I was juvenile yeah. hall for sure and ran away and that we, we all we know do. very young adoptees now who are like babies and four in our families and that's yeah. why I made this documentary like I'm fighting for them mm-hmm. fighting for my cousins and yeah <laughs> I had a friend I had a friend tell me that she was shocked at that yeah there needs to be more transparency so that they don't yes. have to figure it all out for themselves or think it's some big secret that they can't know. Just put it out there. You know, and honestly, I think 60% of the population is touched by adoption in some way. Wow. That, yeah, I found that. And then if you think about it, it's, it's true. Like your biological, your siblings, you know, weren't adopted, but they have, not your biological, you know, your, your siblings that, that your siblings are raised with are touched by it. 
Oh yeah. It trickles down. Are, everybody. Yeah. I remember, I remember when my younger daughter, my biological daughter met my adopted daughter's sister because we were all going to go to Cirque du Soleil. I was taking them all to Cirque du Soleil. So there was oh, my fun. daughter, my two daughters, my adopted daughter's sister. So we were all going to Cirque du Soleil. And so, so my, my younger daughter is 5'2", and my adopted daughter is 5'10". So she was wondering, you know, okay, is, is her sister going to be 5'10 like her? Because she always <laughs> wanted to be more like 5'10 like than 5'2". So when we, when we all met together, no, her sister, her sister was five, more like 5'2 or 3", you know, my, my, my tall daughter's sister. And, uh, but she had the same personality as as my older daughter and so we just kind of had to laugh you know about about these kinds of things and it was so 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 my younger daughter looked more like in size more like her her sister's sister <laughs> that's oh, so that's fun <laughs> yeah yeah it was so well, evidently she had well, a different a, mother or a different father it's a thing too when when my biological yeah, when my biological um, cousins were coming to my wedding, my brother was just happy. He literally said to me, I'm just glad you have no siblings because, you know, I'm your brother. And that was that. And that's that. And I'm, a, you know, and I was thinking, well, I don't know the other side, my biological dad's side, where there's seven, <laughs> seven uncles and whatever, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But it, so there could be a whole, but I didn't say that to him. I was like, yeah. And he is. He's, he was like, that was his thing. As long as I have that role, I'll meet anybody. <laughs> And I thought, well, that's interesting because it, maybe he did feel that way, like very protective or what's his role then? I mean, possessive, it sounds like. Possessive, possessive or does that sound yeah, possessive? Or it diminishes, maybe it would diminish him as my brother if there was another sibling. It's that fear. But it's yeah, also that weird, that guilt that some adoptive yes. families can put on the adoptee, so, which then prevents you from Looking. maybe going to look. Yes. So. It, that's it's in your problem. head. It's the it's the and whole that needs thing in to, there. to change too. Like it's not a threat to that's, you. That's what I say. If yes. I go look and want to know who I am, that is not yeah. a threat to you. And but I think it can be stifling for adoptees. So that's oh, why yeah. having these conversations is good. It sure is. Yeah, I think I think that truth is truth is good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And secrets are not so good. So, yeah. And, yeah. you know, everybody can, everybody can deal with it. Because, uh, cause I, yeah, I remember when my younger daughter was thinking, well, if she, you know, when we, when we see my sister's biological sister, you know, what is that going to, what, is, what does that make me kind of thing, you know? But she yeah. realizes that, she realized right away that, no, because once it's out there, people are just, you, you are, you know, those dynamics don't change. My mom will always be my mom. My brother will always be my brother. And so then you just have more people in your life. Yeah, that's really what it family. becomes. Yeah. More people to love. That's what I more always People say. to yeah. love. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. And it took me a long time to figure this out. And this is helping even just the book. Like Sarah said, I wish, I mean, to have had this years ago would have been just, but I guess we find it when we're supposed to find it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah. When did that come out? 1993, I think. Yeah, I probably wasn't prepared in 93 to hear any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at that year. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's real. I think that's a real thing. Yeah, I do too. Well, we can't wait for this documentary. I I know. Well, you'll have to like keep us posted because... Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I was hoping for your sake that by the time we aired, you would have be able to, we'd be able to say, go see it here, but soon you will. Yeah, and maybe we can do like an addition, a little. Yeah, oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, if that. And we can put a little. We can put the trailer out there. Yes, can we do that? Please, totally. Yeah, that's out there. Um, and then there are screenings on the website. If um, any of those make sense for people, and hopefully we'll be adding more as they happen. So hopefully we can all meet in person. Oh, one day. please. I know. Be nice. That yeah. would be nice. I left California a year ago. Very strange to leave California. And I'm in central California, central coast area now. So I told Sarah, if she comes out to visit me, we'll go North and come. Wait, see <laughs> I'm going to be in San Francisco the second week of January. And we were, Jenna and I were talking about doing a screening there. Cause Nancy, you know, and Doris just having that crew. Do a and screening. I would go. Okay. I would, like, in San Francisco Sarah, Sarah or can fly out and I'll drive us up. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Okay, Nancy, so would, you would you come? Would you, would you Nancy will, to the, oh, yeah. Nancy well, we have to make her daughter's <laughs> letter get on the plane. <laughs> well, no, she I'll lives in Northern California. Oh yeah. You live in North. That's, that's right. Like an hour and a half. I live so, like, I live in like a half an hour from San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. It can happen. It's going to happen soon. Rebecca, where do you live? I live in Ithaca, New York now. Oh, you're in Ithaca. Okay. I I, like, I keep thinking I eventually want to live in upstate New York or Hudson Valley, but I think we're all going to have to with climate change. Yeah. I just, this is a good place to be. I'm biologically from New York anyway. So that's that's what, (laughs) in fact, my birth mother and I, Yes. In 1990, way before I met her, seven years, lived across the street from each other Stop. in the East Village on 6th Street. Oh, my gosh. Between A and B, across okay, that's the street much. from each other. That's I know. Probably passing wow. each other on the street. That's the fantasy, but that's really happened to you. I've it, never it, heard it. Yes. Yes. Right across the street on 6th Street oh uh, between A and B. I just got chills. Yeah. That's, and yeah. their lives were intersecting and they didn't even know it. I mean, it's crazy <laughs> and so she was also my there. birth mother was also adopted so that can oh yeah i think you mentioned that yes the generational trauma yes yes that's a whole nother yeah. podcast that is interesting <laughs> that though. is yeah. yeah i know and i want to do like an episodic series also. so do we <laughs> Yeah, like, we did let's too. Do, maybe that's Netflix. Maybe we're all supposed to work together. Yeah, let's 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 <laughs> talk about that because we we've been talking about this too. So <laughs> this is okay. something we discuss let's, all the time. Yeah, let's uh, really? yeah. yes, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, my next man. Uh, the next manifestation. Yep, we've been well, saying it to each other. That, so. Yeah, yes. <laughs> see, we'll manifest, and you're good at what you do, and we'll get it done. <laughs> let's yeah, do it. <laughs> this is amazing. Y'all are the best. <laughs> This All is right. amazing. You got it's been so great. And uh Nancy, thank you for your work. Really. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. My goodness. Thank you. I really appreciate what you've been doing. Well, thank so you. So glad. And we'll we, see you in January. Yes, I'm gonna I'm yes. putting that. Let's we'll manifest January. Yes. I, definitely that could happen. Send, send me the date, exact date. Me yeah. too. Send it to us, Rebecca, oh. and we're gonna make it happen. Well, okay. Text, text <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, and then we'll connect we'll we'll connect with you about manifesting our 
Yes. Yes. Okay. So exciting. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. Bye, ladies. Yeah. Bye. 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 Well, wrapping up here, I really just can't believe this, Sarah, that we manifested from day one having Nancy Verrier on our show. And we just had Nancy and Rebecca, her documentary maker, both incredible women. Rebecca Autumn, I guess we should say, just yeah, out of respect for her choice. That said, I'm not going to start going by Donna Lynn. Okay. It's not, I'm just <laughs> but I'm not going to. <laughs> I like the fact that you're Donna Lynn and I'm Tiffany Lynn. I know. <laughs> There's something to just that. another another way in which we connect. Yeah, that was just wonderful to hear her words and just how she came about writing this and how she is with both of her daughters and what's happened to it and how it's gone forward and that she still wants this message out there and, and what Rebecca's doing to put the message out there. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt so honored, I guess, that yeah. to have them on. It just felt such a gift. Yeah. This a whole gift thing. that came our way. The whole thing, everything, there's been so many things unfolding throughout this process that are just blowing my mind. Yeah, me too. And it was a gift right in the middle of our podcast in the exact center of the chapter. It's exactly. And I feel like it was a part one and a part two as we go forward almost. Yeah. So we just wrapped up part one. And I think the manifestation of what happens to looking back. Is it, it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> next episode, we dig into mm -hmm. chapter nine. Yes. And we have um, some amazing guests going forward. Yes. People. It's very exciting. So stay with us, everyone. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>